Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. The views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. To Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. on this Friday evening. It's just a couple of minutes after 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern here on the East Coast, obviously. It is September the 7th, 2018. Just a couple of more months, what about three more months? Well, four. We're just into September, so four more months left in 2018, uh, we're actually coming up on the 11th year anniversary of the founding of Black Talk Media Project and Black Talk Radio Network. Hope that my voice finds you safe and sound in relative safety behind these enemy lines. Uh, Got some things that I want to talk about with you today, Uh, particularly this news coming out of Syria about the Syrian government, the Russians, and Iran. And I think Turkey is also uh, among those meeting in Iran this weekend uh, to discuss a major offensive uh, against a province in Syria, which is being described as the last stronghold of ISIS in that country. And the Russian government sent out a communications to the U.S. military or the Trump administration telling them, hey, we're about to launch this offensive. You have U.S. troops stationed in the area. You might want to get them out of harm's way. Um, 
The United States response to that has been to launch an offensive uh, against the empty desert, not attacking anyone. I wonder how much that costs U.S. Uh, taxpayers, but launched a show of force in the desert to, I guess, threaten uh, the coalition against ISIS that the United States isn't a part of. So that's that's just pretty interesting to me. And it seems like to me that they are more than willing to sacrifice U.S. soldiers, put them in harm's way. Um, obviously, they're not fighting ISIS when you have the Pentagon and the CIA funding different elements, including ISIS. This, this has been documented. This has been reported. Uh, people have long known the United States government gave birth to Al-Qaeda. So, you know, you either use Al-Qaeda or ISIS, same thing, same, same people, okay? And um, it just appears, though, that Trump is, who's been gaslighted, in my opinion, on this Putin stuff, to prove that he's not a Putin puppet, puppet he's willing to sacrifice the lives of these uh, U.S. Special Forces soldiers who are in that region. What they're doing there, I don't know. Um, but we'll get into some of that. Um, there's just two days left in the organized strike by prisoners against prison slavery. And as I posted to Twitter today, I will keep pointing out the missing black mainstream press when it comes to reporting on the, the national prison strike. Um, I've been in communication with a reporter from France 24, which is obviously a news outlet based in uh, France, uh, but they have correspondence based here in America, and um, they're reaching out to the prison strikers, the prison slaves, to uh, do a story and cover it. And so I was communicating with her. She sent me some private messages. I said, hey, if you're if you can't find anyone, my little brother was a prison slave at one time here in North Carolina. They had him working on a turkey farm and what have you. Um, I, I just got off the phone with my brother actually to, to ask for his permission to give the woman his phone phone number. And which he agreed to do, and he informed, yeah, man, I was working on that turkey farm under terrible conditions for a dollar a day, you know, and then I had some other jobs picking fruit, I mean, picking vegetables and other stuff, and it was just 40 cents uh, um, per day or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he said, but I'm ho hopefully um, News 24 will reach out to him and do the interview. She sounded like she was interested in talking to him specifically about his experience. So, you know, we got the French press interested um, and ready to do a report. I think IWAC today on Twitter um, posted an article that was written in Portuguese. So you got, I guess, the Portuguese. It could have been, you know, you got people in Brazil that also speak Portuguese. I think that's the dominant language in Brazil. So I'm not sure where that outlet was from. Um, but uh, yeah, Portu Portuguese speakers are writing about the strike. Um, British outlets have written about the strike. Uh, just a number of international reports on the national prison strikes against prison slavery in the United States and black press is missing. Look, this strike has been going on since September the 21st. It's only two days left. Uh, not September, August the 21st. 
the anniversary of Nat Turner's rebellion, as well as some other historic black history dates. But only two days left. And I have been monitoring and tweeting at black journalists, black outlets on Twitter saying, hey, when y'all going to cover the prison strike? What about them prison strikes, though? You know, um, lots of black people are infected, affected by what y'all call mass incarceration, which is really a continuation of slavery by way of the 13th Amendment. Um, you know, considering that your target audience is a lot of black people, black Americans specifically, why y'all not writing about the prison strikes? Still, no reporting. No, the only one that I'm aware of is Al Sharpton covered it on Politics Nation one Sunday morning. He is the only one. Now, he said he was going to do some follow-up, so we'll see if on Sunday he does some follow-up, but at least he did get that one report in, and he's not even working for a black outlet. He's working for uh, MSNBC. But what about BET? What about Essence Magazine? What about Jet, uh, Ebony? Uh, what about Roland Martin? Roland Martin, um, he's really making me not like him. Um, you know, when it comes to these celebrity media figures, you know, I, I really don't have any kind of feelings about them one way or the other. But considering that he no longer is on a corporate plantation and he's been bragging here lately, uh, you know, not bragging. And he should rightly be excited about launching his own platform that he owns. And, you know, he's been doing it through YouTube and Periscope as well as a couple of other platforms. But, you know, he, he's part of the independent black press now and he's building his own platform. But why isn't he talking about the prison strikes as well? And I keep tweeting at him. What about them prison strikes, though, man? You know, you talking about you bringing the funk and all this. So, I, I mean, what what's up? What's up, man? You know? So, I mean, just because I know the importance of media and the historical importance of black media in galvanizing, um, organizing, inspiring, as well as informing black people about grassroots social movements and what have you, social grassroots movement, the civil rights period, um, black power period, even though some of those outlets, and I heard this from a from a Black Panther, she's no longer with us, uh, she passed away, but she used to work in, for the mainstream black press and said, hey, they were circulating FBI written propaganda about um, um, the Black Panther Party and what have you, but you know, I have found some old magazine covers of Ebony, how they covered the march in Alabama across Selma Bridge, and, and you know, they were just a, a prominent um, outlet. And I'm talking black media in general, just very important to the civil rights uh, period. Now, 90% of the stuff that's targeting black, it's entertainment-based. Even their news, if you go to the root, and particularly this one writer, and I'm not going to call, call out his name because I can't remember it right now, but there's this one writer he particularly writes news as if he's trying to entertain folks. He uses a lot of slang and stuff um, in his articles. He's he's always speaking 
in a sarcastic like manner. It's just not what I'm used to seeing in, in journalism. You know, um, you want to be serious. You don't want to come off as being not so serious in, in your profession, but that's, that's just how the root rolls, I guess. But no, they not writing about it. And it's interesting. Yeah. These black outlets, they talking about Colin Kaepernick and the Nike ad campaign and, you know, they will talk about police brutality and what have you. But what about them prison strikes, though? What about prison slavery, though? What about it? Doesn't seem to be important to them. Maybe they think that their readers, their viewers, their listeners, who are the primary targets of 21st century slavery and human trafficking. I'm talking about black people, not the only victims, but by far the biggest victims. You, maybe they don't think that their target audience uh, wants to know about the prison strike. Maybe they don't think their target audience has anybody who's in prison right now. But uh, obviously I'm being facetious, but it's just sad to me. You know, I started Black Talk Media Project over 10 years ago. We're coming up on the 11th year because of the attacks on the black press, particularly radio stations with the 1996 Telecommunications Act, which pretty much killed independent black radio. That's why now we only have a few syndicated uh, shows and what have you in black radio. Most of it, if it's not gospel, stations then it's hip hop or hip crap crap stations and and you know playing that killer radio uh music that tells black people to kill each other and mistreat each other and what have you. So, you know, then when we have these other historic outlets, um like Ebony, like Jet, like Essence and what ha and they're not covering such an important human rights movement that black people are at the center of I feel some kind of way about that and I can't figure it out because I'm like, hell, if these white outlets are covering it and not just those who are in the foreign press, but those based here in the United States, USA Today comes to mind. Um, there was a couple of other ones, NBC News, um, MSNBC again, that's not black owned. If they can cover it, then I just can't find any justification for black journalists and black outlets, whether they're black owned or not, that's your target audience. And your audience is also targeted for prison slavery. And you don't think you should be informing them about this national prison strike. Something stinks, man. Something really, really stinks. And I'm not going to support people's independent efforts. If you can't make time to talk about one of the most important movements, the new abolitionist movement, which this prison strike is an extension of that, since they're pointing out the 13th Amendment and slavery was never abolished. If you cannot give us five minutes, 10 minutes, if you can't give us a few minutes of coverage on the, on the prison strikes, why should I support you? Why should I subscribe to your YouTube channel? I only need to hear, hear that black people, there's a wealth gap in America and black people are way behind the eight ball. I only need to hear that one time. How many different ways can you tell black people that they broke? You know, how many reports can you write? 
Is that all you going to talk about? But then if you want to talk about the, the uh, black wealth gap or the missing black wealth, well, it seems like a lot of that wealth is being stolen in the form of prison labor. Okay? And you can't figure that into your analysis. What is going on? What What is going on? What's wrong with these people? What are they afraid of? Are they waiting on somebody, somebody to give them permission to talk about the prison strikes? I don't understand it. I really don't. But considering the international um, coverage, it appears we don't need them, doesn't it? It appears we don't need them. So why should I support them? So uh, you, you can tell how I feel about that, right? Because, I mean, another good example of that was the lack of interest in covering the Cali uh, Colorado campaign to remove exceptions from their state constitution that allow for slavery and involuntary servitude. You think that's a big deal? You got the NAACP involved, the state chapter. You got the ACLU involved, the state chapter. You even got the AME Zion Church, historically black church, might have been the first black church ever established here in America. And they're participating in efforts to eliminate slavery, allowance for slavery and voluntary servitude, and the black press is not reporting on that? Man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I expect too much of the black press. Maybe I'm just too invested in ending slavery and I'm not being objective or something. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe it's not them in their lack of reporting. I, I don't know. Somebody suggested to me today that uh, perhaps they're trying to go about it in their own way. I'm like, what? What sense does that make? What's their way? Not reporting on the prison strike is a way to report on the prison strike? That doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I just can't find a justification. And I definitely been calling this to the attention of the National Association of Black Journalists, who has a Twitter account, and they haven't tweeted, not retweeted, tweeted their own, nothing. I ain't saying they got to come out and say, hey, we stand in solidarity with the prison strikers, the prison slaves. We understand that the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery. I'm not saying they got to do that. I'm saying do your job as journalists. Do your job at journalists. I can only I, I can only stand so much Beyonce stories, Cardi B stories, uh, Little Wayne stories, Kanye West stories, keeping up with the Kardashian story. Come on now. It appears to me that the black corporate press is engaged in nothing but providing us with distractions. Sure, to appear to be legitimate news sources, they might tell you about the occasional racist, caught practicing racism. They might tell you about the latest black person murdered by a slave catcher. You know, they, they might talk about Donald Trump and, and their opposition to Donald Trump. And But no, no, no. This is the movement of our time. And for them to be missing... It's no excuse. It's no excuse for it.
All right, so please continue to support the Black Talk Media Project. We're a North Carolina-based nonprofit. We've been operating the Black Talk Radio Network for 10 years now. Going, in, It'll be our 11th year anniversary in November. Uh, do want to acknowledge the donations that we got this week. Uh, thank you, Terrence. Terrence sent in $150 um, just yesterday. You know, he, he made a donation of $150. Um, other people made lesser donations, but they are, they're all valuable, okay, because we don't get any grant money. You don't see Coca-Cola or Pepsi advertising on blacktalkradionetwork.com. We're, we're not getting those endorsements and what have you. We don't have any celebrity benefactors or any. We are totally powered by you, the listeners, and those who, who read the stuff that is posted to our network. And the only way that we can uh, survive is by those donations. So, you know, thank you to all who made donations this week, um, specifically to Terrence, because, hey, I know black people don't have collectively or as individuals, we don't have a lot of money. We're Most of us are living hand to mouth or paycheck to paycheck, as they say. And so when someone makes a sacrifice like that, that tells me they find the work that we do to be important. And it keeps me interested in, in investing my energy and my time in keeping it going. Um, so thank you, Terrence, and to the others who made donations over the past few days. All right, I want to get into uh, some of these news stories. By the way, if you have a question or a comment on the stories that I'll be sharing with you, um, you can give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit star star on your telephone keypad to unmute yourself. Please watch your background noise. Oh, a couple of more things. Uh, Friday, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. If you need uh, any kind of consultations on new media, whether you're looking to start a website, a blog, what have you, whether no matter what type of website, a media website, a shopping website where people can make purchases, you know, stores, online stores and whatnot, uh, the Black Talk Media Project can help you with that. And we have very affordable pricing. But every Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m., we give free consultations to point you in the right direction. Hopefully, you will use our services. Also, we help those who are getting into podcasting and digital radio broadcasting. Um, so that's every Saturday, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, if nothing happens and I'm able to... Uh, you know, conduct the classes or the consultation. So that's Saturdays right here on our Uber conference line, uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, let me see. A couple of things from the chat room. Uh, greetings to Otis and, and others who have joined us. Uh, let me see. Um, Otis said that he had hit up Roland Martin with a couple of uh, retweets with the prison strike and and uh, then says that he has a program at 6 o'clock p.m. tonight too and he's got Armorosa on uh, Michael Harriet yeah that's the guy I was speaking of at the root who who you know he writes like he's like he's speaking slang and I don't know I don't know how to feel about that you know is as if you know 
you got to talk to us in slang language or something in order to report the news. I don't know. Maybe they going at the. Maybe he's going at the specific audience that that speaks in that that street language and what have you. But in terms of a major outlet and professionalism, it, it's just not a good look in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. I you know, oh, whatever. Uh, let me see. Yeah, we will talk about some other uh, prison news. Um, prison strike news again just two days left but let me jump into this main topic and then I'll go into the other news of the day afterwards I'm going to kind of switch it up and jump right into our main topics right away so I chose Fox News for this article Um, Fox News obviously is a right wing propaganda outlet Uh, this article was written by Lucas Tomlinson and Jennifer Griffin, um, it's kind of neutral. It's kind of neutral. Um, so that's kind of the reason, but it did contain a lot of information, so that's why I chose it um, as my source for it today. But it's other um, news out there. Again, the, the Russians, in case you haven't heard the news, told the United States, look, we're about to take out these, and I'm having trouble pronouncing that particular providence, uh, Idlib or Idlib, Idlib province, which is uh, in Syria, and you got apparently some bases or a U.S. base there, and I have to point out that it's a illegally, um, it's an illegal base because that's a sovereign nation. Syria is a secular government. It's a sovereign nation, and you have invaded their country, not to mention how you've been funding the so-called opposition to overthrow that nation, just like you did in Libya, just like you did in Iraq, just like you did in in so many other places. I mean, if you really study, I actually did a program of just how many countries the United States has overthrown during this existence and I mean it's just a countless number of them and so um, I just want to acknowledge that right off the top is that they're there illegally they don't have no business being there you've invaded a country and you're funding terrorists how is it that all of these countries that the United States has attacked in the past 10 15 years uh, going on 20 years, how come they didn't really have any problem with Islamic extremists in terms of being in control of anything until after the United States overthrows these secular countries who where the population might be predominantly Muslim, but you also had Jews, you have Christians, and then you have uh, people who probably don't practice anything. How is it? What's going on? You're supposed to be fighting Islamic terrorists, not giving them bases of operation and providing them cover. So that's how I'm looking at this. Now, this kind of blew my mind. This is why I picked this article. More than 100, this says, uh, U.S. Marines launch a live fire air assault into Syria desert in strong message to Russia. That's what Fox News chose as the headline. Look, 
they launched an offensive and assaulted some sand. How much did that cost? Huh? How much did them bullets, them rockets, them bombs, I don't know what kind of munitions they were using, but they called it a live fire air assault into Syria desert and strong message to Russia. Who did you attack? Who did you attack? Grains of sand? And how much did that cost us? More than 100 U.S. Marines launched an air assault into the southern Syria desert backed by artillery fire to send a strong message to ISIS terrorists. Oh, wait a minute. Not ISIS terrorists. Not Al-Qaeda. To send a strong message to Russia not to send their forces inside a restricted area near an American military outpost Two U.S. defense officials have told Fox News. Now, how are you going to illegally be occupying a sovereign nation who did not invite you there? The Russians were invited. The Iranians were invited. And although they, we don't hear a lot about their involvement, um, on Tando Radio Show have reported the Chinese involvement. All of these different nations making up this coalition to take out the terrorists have been invited by the Syrian government. The United States has not. So how are you going to call yourself illegally occupying the territory of a sovereign nation and then you're going to restrict where people can, can and cannot go? In what world does that make sense? Apparently in the U.S. Uh, uh, world, since they think they own the world. The show of forces comes, the show of forces comes as the leaders of Iran, Russia, and Turkey are meeting Friday in Tehran to hammer out their next steps in the seven-year Syrian civil war ahead of an effective offensive led by Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's forces into the country's northwest Idlib province. On two separate occasions this month, September the 1st and 6th, the Russian military warned its American counterparts of its intention to conduct a military operation in southern Syria near the At-Tanf garrison where U.S. special forces are located. Now, what, what are these special forces doing there? Okay, what, what are they doing there? Are they there assisting terrorists or are they fighting terrorists? Because you, you would think that this would be a good opportunity to destroy those terrorists by the United States working with the Russians, working with the, the Iranians, working with the Syrians. If, if that's what you say you went there to do, which is what Donald Trump is claiming right now. If that's what you really in there, because they say later uh, the U.S. government said, we don't need your help to kill these terrorists. Well, number one, it seems to me that these terrorists in Syria didn't start getting eliminated until Russia entered it and, and started helping the Syrians, the Syrian government. Okay? So I, I don't, I really don't know. And Donald Trump he don't know if he coming or going. One point he's talking about withdrawing forces from Syria. 
saying that we don't have the goal to overthrow Syria and all, even though that's been a long-standing goal going all the way back to when George W. Bush named them as a axis of evil, okay? So I, I don't know what the Trump administration is trying to do. I do know that he has a bunch of neocons in there like John Bolton uh, uh, who, who worked for the military-industrial complex and want to keep the United States in a perpetual state of war all over the planet. Makes money for, for uh, their benefactors. So the U.S. military is telling the Russians not to launch this offensive. Again, this is an offensive to free civilians from these Al-Qaeda ISIS terrorists. And you're telling them not to do it? How about you just get out the way? How about, matter of fact, how about you just withdraw those troops? You don't have a clear mission there. Here, here's the uh, part. The United States does not seek to fight the Russians, the government of Syria, or any groups that may be providing support to Syria in the Syrian Civil War, Navy Captain William Urban, a spokesman for U.S. Central Command, said in a statement, the U.S. does not require any assistance in our efforts to destroy ISIS. I mean, do you get the, oh man, just the audacity of this clown to say the U.S. doesn't require any assistance in our efforts to destroy ISIS. You and somebody else country, they are the ones that's been destroying ISIS. When the U.S. military, and, and you had the CIA funding one uh, 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 group part of the so-called Syrian resistance, then you had the Pentagon funding another group of terrorists, and then those two groups were actually fighting each other at one time. In the military, for those that don't know, I spent six years in the U.S. Army. This is what we call a cluster, you know what, a, cu a cluster cluck, but, you know, use the F word. That's what we call, that's what it seems to be happening here. But just the audacity for them to claim, oh, we don't require any assistance, assistance in our efforts. How, how, how about you get out the way? Because obviously, if this is a ISIS stronghold and people seem to be in agreement with that, then and you got a base of special forces people. What what is the special forces been doing there all this time? Apparently, they ain't been killing terrorists, or else this wouldn't be a terrorist stronghold. It says that the area that um. Let me read this part. In Tehran, the trilateral summit between Iranian President Hassan Rouhani, Russian President Vladimir Putin, and Tur Turkish President uh, Recep Tayyip uh, Erdogan, I guess that's how you pronounce his name, was meant to finalize military plans for the total annihilation of terrorists in Syria, Putin said. The area is home to three million people, including Hundreds of thousands of civilians living among rebel fighters. So what, you telling me these rebel fighters are using these civilians as, as human shields? That's what it sounds like. Including thousands with ties to Al-Qaeda. This is Fox News telling you this, right? That Al-Qaeda slash ISIS is using the civilian population 
as human shields. And apparently U.S. Special Forces hasn't done anything to prevent that or to kick them out the area. What are they doing in Syria? They don't, they don't have permission to be in Syria. They need to just get out the way. Because everywhere the United States has gone, terrorism follows in its wake. It doesn't, they don't stop terrorism. They, they create the conditions for terrorists to thrive. Look at Libya right now. Which is something, instead of, since the Russians and the Iranians and the Syrian government has ISIS under control, and this is the last stronghold, how about this, Donald Trump, Trump administration, U.S. military, how about y'all put boots in the ground in Libya since you broke the country? Remember what it, um, what's his name, Colin? Um, man, he was actually the joint, um, the, um, Joint Services Commander-in-Chief when I was in, in the military. I can't think of the black dude's name. General Colin Powell, that's his name, when I was in, in uh, uh, the Gulf War. Um, what did he say about Iraq and why during the Gulf War, when he had some say, they didn't destroy Iraq and go into the country, and that war wasn't justified either. But um, he said, if you break it, you got to fix it. Well, the Obama administration with Hillary Clinton running point broke Libya. Libya was the most prosperous country in Africa. They were uh, preventing or stemming the flow of migrants from Africa, from destabilized regions because of Europe and Americans into Europe by giving these Africans jobs in Libya. They were stemming the flow. And Again, you know, they did a lot for the citizens of Libya. Look at it now. Look at it now. From what I've last read about it, it has been uh, split up into three different sections with various terrorists vying for control of the whole country that Al-Qaeda or ISIS has a training base there now. How, if you want to go, if you want to go fight some terrorists, why don't you, Donald Trump, put them boots on the ground and fix what the United States broke in Libya? Because you're not interested in fighting terrorists. Okay? Especially not the very terrorists you used to destroy the country like you tried, tried to do to Syria. If not for the Russians and Iranians stepping in. So... This week, Trump tweeted out, President Bashar al-Assad of Syria must not recklessly attack ID province. The Russians and Iranians would be making a grave humanitarian mistake to take part in this potential human tragedy. Hundreds of thousands of people could be killed. Don't let that happen. Now, the United States is the last country to be talking about some concern for uh, um, creating humanitarian crisis especially after all the civilians that were killed in Iraq, despite all the civilians that they caused to be killed in Libya, despite all the civilians that are being killed in Yemen right now, which is, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting a lot of attention here lately for the human rights crisis there. 
But the United States and the Trump administration ain't got a problem with providing Saudi Arabia and, and uh, those other uh, people who have been blowing up school, school buses and what have you with children in them. And, and so you ain't, you ain't concerned about that humanitarian crisis. So what makes you think that I would believe that the U.S. government is concerned about a humanitarian crisis in, in, in that part of Syria, Syria right now. You would think it would be a humanitarian crisis with all of these thousands upon thousands of terrorists living in, and using the civilians as uh, human shields. Not making a whole lot of sense here, Donald Trump, not that I think you have good sense. Uh, this warning appeared to have been ignored after Russian jets began bombing Idlib. We consider any assault on Idlib to be a dangerous escalation of the conflict in Syria, said U.S. Ambassador to the United States, Nikki Haley, Friday in New York. Airstrikes by Russia and the regime have already begun against civilian areas. Again, Nikki Haley, shut up. You don't care about no civilians. You care nothing about civilians. You said you said nothing about the civilian uh, deaths in Yemen, in Libya, nothing whatsoever. And if you were so concerned, the United States would immediately stop funding and arming the so-called opposition in Syria. If you so concerned, let the Russians and the Syrians end this war with this last offensive. That's what makes the most sense to me. But they, they don't appear to want to do that. And this can blow up, really, this could blow up, as I heard Dave talk about World War III popping off or whatnot. Let's say some Marines or some special forces do get killed because you wouldn't heed Russia's warning when they told you Look, we finna take these terrorists out. You need to you need to get up out of there. Seems like to me they more than willing to sacrifice these soldiers' lives and then start a wider conflict and then claim, oh, Russia attacked us. Get out of Syria. You don't belong there. Nobody invited you there. In all this time, you've done nothing to eliminate these terrorists. So what's your business there? What is your business there? Nothing good. Nothing good whatsoever. So uh, it's just crazy. Now, also, something else to watch for. Um, I don't have an article in front of me. I came across it earlier this morning. Is We need to watch out for a false flag because the U.S. government claims that the Syrians, now again, this ain't just the Syrians. It's the Syrians, the Russians, and the Iranians. But I saw a report come out saying, oh, the Syrians are preparing to launch a chemical attack against this area. Again, why would they do that? Why would they warn U.S. troops, we about to do this launch, this offensive, why would they basically tell the world we about to go in this area and clear out this last stronghold and what and, and then be preparing to use chemical weapons? How, how do you know? What's your intelligence sources? I'm saying that you are or your terrorist proxies are about 
to use chemical weapons again, kill a bunch of civilians, and then say Syria and the Russians did it. That's what they, they are announcing a false flag before it happens. Because it just seemed odd. Or to think that, hey, Syria's about to win this. Why would they turn the world against them by using chemical weapons when they've been winning without chemical weapons? Don't make sense. Don't make sense. So I, I see this report as not making any sense and possibly just a bunch of propaganda. Yeah, there'll be a chemical attack, but it won't be by Syria. So, that's basically all I got on that. Man, I spent almost the entire first hour uh, talking about that. Um, do have some other news stories, but I do want to talk about this black mainstream press missing in action when it comes to reporting on the prison strike. And, and do me a favor, if you don't believe me, don't take my word for it. Go to any of your favorite mainstream black outlets. Go to the Twitter accounts of your your favorite black personalities, media personalities, whether they work for the mainstream or whether they running their own independent little joints off of YouTube or whatnot, and, and check their Twitter timeline, check their websites, check their YouTube channels, and then see if they've been reporting over the past two weeks and a half on a prison strike. See if they did at least one report or gave it one mention. Go ahead and do that for me. And then t let me know if you find any. If I don't hear from you, I'm going to assume that you didn't find any. Okay? But that take me up on that challenge. This is, this is a travesty. You should be outraged. And you should be reconsidering who you're giving your energy to. Who are these people truly serving? What is their purpose? Again, all the victims of slavery in this modern era of slavery are not black. There's a huge population of Hispanics in there. There's also Native Americans in prison slavery. There's also white people in prison slavery. So the victims are multicultural but the number one, by far, the biggest victims have been black people. How you gonna talk about mass incarceration all these years after Michelle Alexander come out with her book? But then when there is an actual movement to inside the prisons, you ain't got nothing to say, nothing to report? Something's wrong with that picture. Something's wrong with that picture. Now, I might would be willing to accept, hey, their bosses won't let them if white media wasn't reporting on it. But again, MSNBC, NBCnews.com, USA Today, as well as some other outlets, U.S.-based outlets, have been reporting on it. So I'm not buying the hidden hand excuse. My plantation boss won't let me. And then it, what, what, you can't use that excuse for the independent black media out there. Okay, so uh, this just has me 
has me pulling my hair out to no end. To no end. The only response I have gotten is from one mainstream journalist. I can't remember her name right now. And she doesn't start, she doesn't become the political editor for Essence until the day after the strike ends. But she says she will cover it. I tweeted at her. Can't remember her name, man. Because I don't watch a whole lot of mainstream corporate news, but um, Kirsten Savali West, I think is her name. I think she also has written for The Root. So I think she's leaving The Root and going to Essence because she announced it on Twitter that she was going to be the political editor. Now I said, like, great, great. Maybe you can get them to do something on the prison strike. And she was like, yes, hold me accountable. I'm on it. That's the only one. And, of course, Al Sharpton did do the report on his show. But those the only two. Those the only two in the mainstream. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I expect too much of, black, of the black press. Maybe I just expect too much. Maybe it's just me. And maybe the people really do need to hear more about uh entertainment news, sporting news, more so than they need to know about, you know, a strike against slavery. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me and my priorities are out of whack or something. I It could be me. Could be me. All right. So listen, I'm going to take a early station identification break. I got a lot of work to do, y'all. I'm working on a, a, a documentary short. That's the area that the Black Talk Media Project is moving into. Um, want to put out some full-length documentaries, but considering I don't have any experience in making documentaries, um, I reached out to someone who does, um, who actually went to school for it, and never met her or what what have you. She has been a follower and listener of of the uh, station and follows us on Twitters. And and when I found out that you know she works in this area, I was like, hey. Would you be interested in helping me with a couple of projects? I would like to move into making documentaries. You know, I run this black media nonprofit. And she was like, sure, I'll help you. And she was telling me what I needed to start with. And I needed to learn the behind the scenes stuff. It's not just pulling out a camera. It's, It's not like how I've been doing radio. You know, I've been doing radio for since 2007. And you know, we know our main topic, we bring on a guest, we introduce the guest, and then we ask them questions. It's just not that simple when it comes to making documentaries. It's not that simple, okay? And there's a process, especially if you're going to be looking to get funded. Um, but what I'm starting out with is so I can learn the process is many documentaries. Documentaries, that's five minutes, six minutes, no more than 10 minutes long. I I don't see just cramming important information in a short documentary that gets straight to the point, you know, and we will be featuring, you know, some people like in regular documentaries, but they'll be documentary shorts. So, so um, that's again, why your donations to the black talk media project is important. Um, So I'm working on my treatment. I wrote the treatment last night. Um, but now I need to get started on the script because I'm trying to get it out as soon as possible. It is going to be about the 13th Amendment and prison strikes. And I'm just really excited 
Um, but um, I, I got a lot of work to do. And if we don't have any phone calls that's going to carry me up to two hours, then I'm not going to do two hours. I got to make the most constructive use of my time. Um, yeah. So when I come back, um, we'll talk about this mainstream press. I will go to a couple of websites and I will just simply put in the search engine prison strike and see what I come up with. And you could do the same. You can do the same and tell me what you come up with. All right. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I broadcast Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays starting at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. God willing, nothing happens. Okay? So stay tuned. We will be back. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for... Oops. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm gonna make sure it's broke. When I'm going, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in the crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm. I hook a beat up, convert it into hip-hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild if you wanna be. I treat you like a child and you're gonna be named Another enemy, not even a friend of me Cause you'll get fried in the end when you pretend to be competing Cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when You compare my rhyme with yours I wake you up and as I stare in your face You seem stunned, remember me? The one you got your idea from But soon you start to suffer The tune will get rougher When you start to stutter That's when you had enough of Fighting it'll make you choke You can't provoke, you can't cope You should've broke because I ain't no joke Joke Who can keep the average dancer hyper as a heart attack? Nobody's smiling, cause you're expressing the rhyme that I'm styling. This is what we all sit down to write. You can't make it, so you take it home, break it, and bite. Use pieces and bits of all my hip-hop hits. Get the style down, packed, then it's time to switch. Put my tape on pause and add some more to yours. Then you figure you're ready for the neighborhood chores. The E-M-C-E-E, don't even try to be. When you come up to speak, don't even lie to me. You like to exaggerate, dream and imagine Then change the rhyme around, that can aggravate me. So when you see me come up, freeze. Or you'll be one of those seven MCs. They think that I'm a new jack, but only if they knew that. They who think wrong or they who can't do that style that I'm doing. They might ruin patterns of paragraphs based on you. And you all be DJ if anything he play sound familiar. I'll wait to e safe play him. So I'm a half the diss who broke. You can get a smack for this. I ain't no joke. Joke, joke, joke. the microphone like a 
grudge Be a hole of record so the needle don't budge I hold a conversation cause what I invent I nominated my DJ the president When I'm C.I. I'll keep a freestyle going steadily So pucker up and whistle my melody But whatever you do, don't miss one There'll be another rough rhyme after this one Before you know it, you're following the fiend Waiting for the punchline to get the meaning Like before the moral of my story I'm telling Nobody beats the arse to stop yelling Save it, put it in your pocket for later Cause I'm moving the crowd and be a rector fader No interruptions till the mic is broke When I'm gone, then you can joke Cause everything is real on a serious tip Keep playing and I get furious quick And I take it for a walk through hell Freeze your dome, then watch your eyeballs swell Guide you out of truck and stage darkness When it get dark again, then I'ma spark this microphone Cause the heat is on, you see smoke in the finish When the beat is gone, I'm no joke, 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 joke Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All right, welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. And I'm not going to lock up my browser going to all these different websites, but just take my word for it. I actually put out a video, uh, Coleman the archives of those a few black media sites and just no reporting whatsoever on the prison strikes. And you know what really pisses me off, and I'm just gonna be blunt with you, is there are people in the black community who say, hey, don't we don't care about them immigrant refugees being separated uh from their children and thrown in the cages and all well you need to be focusing on black people problem this ain't a black problem and what is that black woman even though she an african immigrant what is she doing climbing the statue of liberty and and raising awareness about prison slavery uh through the private prison prisons that isis is operating um or contracting with and it, oh, these people don't never support us and what have you. And that's a doggone lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Again, as I have posted pictures before of our rally in Washington, D.C., um, Millions for Prisoners Human Rights in 2016. And there were um, several rallies across the nation 
in support on that same day in solidarity, you know, the people that couldn't make it to Washington, D.C., in 19 different states, all right? And I saw all the diversity. I took, I mean, I have pictures of it, all the different faces, the different colors, the different ages, and what have very diverse or quote-unquote multicultural abolitionists that were there. But then we got these people who want to say, oh, you shouldn't care about the human rights violations of other human beings. Just focus on black people as if this stuff ain't all interconnected, as if all these non-white people aren't victims of racism and white supremacy, okay? Just, it's ignorant to me. But again, when I see those same people not even talking about the prison strike, which is led by black people and being supported by a multicultural base of people and you ain't got nothing to say what the hell is wrong with you something wrong with you and I'm calling you out you know who you are I'm calling you out man what what does it cost for you to talk about the prison strikes do somebody gotta pay you What's going on? And and let me pull up this article from the Portuguese website, guilhatina.info. I had to get Google to translate it for me because I don't speak Portuguese. But this just came out today. September the 7th, 2018. USA striking prisons 2018. On April the 15th of this year, there was a conflict inside the maximum security prison Lee Correction Institution in South Carolina, USA. This ended with seven dead, 12 injured, and 22 people hospitalized. Prison guards chose not to intervene and did not provide medical care in a timely manner. The conflict lasted for more than seven hours under these conditions. The dehumanization felt during the last two years inside prisons culminating in this conflict led to several prisoners and prisoners of several federal, state, and immigration facilities. Oh, yeah, those immigrants have been in solidarity and participating in the strike, calling for a national strike. Men and women demand better conditions in the prison environment that they consider hostile, violent, and that contributes to feeding social stereotypes. Bill Clinton and his prison policies, 1996, have influenced the current environment within American prisons. The Prison Litigation Reform Act is one of those prison policies that the jailhouse lawyers speak, um, a group of prisoners and prisoners with legal training demand that it be over. This reform made it difficult to file lawsuits and increase even more the number of sentences that end in prison. There is no platform for helping defendants and defendants in the difficulties in defending. Remember, English is not their first language. This has been translated from Portuguese. And the difficulties in defending themselves against violations of their rights are many. The same is required for the law of reform of convictions and for the law of reform of truth and sentences. These were designed to increase the death penalty and imprisonment and perpetuate the violation of human rights. They argue that parole should be an option to imprisonment in order to facilitate social reintegration. They claim wages for the work they perform 
within the prisons. They call for an end to racial discrimination based on more exaggerated penalties for non-white people. They demand the right to vote for all prisoners and prisoners, as well as for all those who have already served their sentence because democratic representation is a right of all. Um, last paragraph. This is a scenario where the concept of gang acquires a new meaning, where people are led to organizing groups to survive, groups that end up competing with each other in a uh, reality confined to a building where there's little or no choice and where prison guards are the first to provoke. Therefore, this strike aims to bring to the attention of society that prisons are not a solution but part of the problem. They foment violence and cause those who live in them coming from more disadvantaged social contexts to know no language other than violence. This strike will run until 9 September. All right. So this is a person I, I presume is in Brazil. They could be in Spain, wherever they speak Portuguese, but I had to translate this article. Um, it was, it was um, posted on Twitter with the hashtag prison strike, which I'm going to click on that hashtag now. And I'm going to click on the latest uh, to see if I see any black media, and I'm talking corporate, the big names, y'all know the names, or independent journal, y'all know their names, Steve Harvey, um, uh, Steve Harvey's one who hasn't said anything about it. Um, and then remember, he's supposed to have been running that nonprofit to help disadvantaged black boys. And he gave uh, Paula Dean, the racist chef, a job and what have you. He ain't got nothing to say about, about prison slavery and this prison strike, which includes many youth. Okay, the way they throw uh, um, children into adult prisons these days. All right, so I, I'm I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm not seeing nothing, not seeing nothing. People continue to to uh, post information about it. Many people of different races, religious backgrounds, socioeconomic status and what have you, and I'm seeing nothing. I'm seeing nothing from the mainstream black press or these mainstream black celebrity media figures. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. I don't know. I thought for a minute I saw John Legend here, but no, it's John Legger. I don't know who that is. Um, I will point out Boots Riley, a black filmmaker, not so well known as Spike Lee, but He's been tweeting in support of the strikes, made a video in support of the strikes. Ava DuVernay of the documentary, The 13th on Netflix, she's been tweeting in support. But all the rest of these people, nothing. Nothing from them. Nothing. And I feel some kind of way about that, if you couldn't tell. VillageVoice.com has an article out. Um... Just a lot of people, man. A lot of people are are reporting on the prison strikes. Let me see. Press.citizen.com, incarceratedworkers.org, which has, of course, been uh, part of the organizing committee. Let's see. National Lawyers Guild. Hey, you got the National Lawyers Guild tweeting about this. Like I said, abolitionism of slavery through the prisons has gone mainstream. 
You got these mainstream organizations and outlets. Here's Unicorn, Riot, Ninja, um, who are talking, BostonReview.net, who are talking about the prison strike, but guess who's missing? Well, I've been telling you, don't have to guess because I've been telling you who's missing. And you can go check for yourself who's missing from this conversation. So what, 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 what do we need with these people? Why do we continue to give them energy and give them support? When obviously they do not support the most vulnerable among us. Here's that tweet that I had sent out and somebody replied with some kind of nonsensical excuse. Let me see. Some have vested interests, right? And might be doing things their way or not. I would lean towards or not. And what could their vested interest be? Perhaps maybe they are invested in 21st century slavery and human trafficking. Maybe they have stock in the GO Group or Core Civic or MTC or a Vanguard 500 fund. Is that the vested interest this person's talking about? I don't know. It's a possibility. What other vested interest would they have not to highlight? the inhumanity that is occurring in these prisons. And like I told that person, the black press has a duty to inform black Americans about news important to their black target demographic. There is no doing it their way unless not reporting on the prison strike is their way of reporting on the prison strike, which doesn't make a lick of sense. It's crazy, man. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I, I just can't stress that enough. Um, let me see if there's anything else. There's a couple of news stories I wanted to get to. Um, Otis wanted me to remind you through the chat that, let me see what he got posted here. Um, you know, Max mentioned on New Abolitionist Radio this past Wednesday night, he'll be in Columbia, South Carolina, Um part of a rally the free south carolina movement saturday september the 8th at the south carolina state house in columbia let me see it will start at 1 30 p.m he will be one of the featured speakers um they say let me go ahead and like this page and follow it uh unless you have someone in prison people don't understand the torment it does to one's mind we send our soldiers to treatment after they witness murders in war, but forget what inmates have been through. Well, you know what? Actually, they don't. Um, you got up to eight vets a day killing themselves because of PTSD and the lack of treatment. All right. And then as I wrote an article in 2015, you got up to a half a million of veterans who are in prison behind drug charges trying to treat their PTSD. So, you know, because the U.S. government refuses um, to allow the VA hospital to prescribe uh, cannabis, which has been verified to be a very effective treatment for those suffering from PTSD. So let me continue, though. Uh, yet we want them to serve their time and come back in society and be productive humans. What a joke our system is. Failed and flawed. Come to the rally and help us make a change. We have to do something or change would never happen. All right, so again, there'll be a number of featured speakers and our own Black Talk Radio Network's own Max Parthas will be one of those featured speakers. And as he stated, I'm there, I will be going there to talk about slavery abolition. 
prison abolition. I mean, not prison abolition, but prison slavery abolition. Okay, so if y'all want, if y'all in that area, I won't be able to make it down. I certainly wanted to, but again, you know, I'm working on this documentary, and that's like over a hundred miles away, and I, I just can't make it. But I'm, I'll be there with you all in spirit. All right, so let let me see what else I want to cover. Uh, let me get back to btrcommunity.com where you can become a member too for $24 a year where you can use social media in co complete anonymity, no data mining, no corporate advertisement and what have you. So check us out there. Let me get to my thread there. A um, couple of things. So. Uh, Black police group supports Nike deal with Colin Kaepernick despite police unions boycott. Now, before I, I get to this story by Sean King in The Intercept, uh, The Root was writing about it, and I just decided to go to Sean King, the source, for this story. But before I get to this, there's this narrative that by Nike making this ad about you know, not being afraid to stand up and to just do it, you know, to dream crazy, saying that they hijacked Colin Kaepernick's movement. Well, I wasn't aware that Colin Kaepernick started a movement unless you're talking about a movement to take a knee for these social issues in the NFL among other NFL players. But if my memory serves me correct and I haven't been dreaming, poli police brutality has been focused a protest for, I guess, as long as police brutality has existed in this country, which would be forever. But particularly after the killing of Mike Brown and some other high-profile uh, killings of, of black citizens, this this movement started long before Colin Kaepernick came, came aboard. Colin Kaepernick didn't start a movement. He joined the movement. So this notion that Knight hijack Colin Kaepernick's movement. That's garbage. And then Nike, what do y'all want? Nike not to pay Colin Kaepernick to promote sports apparel? That's what that's what Nike's doing, right? That's what they sell, right? They And again, I'm not on here to defend Nike. I'm just trying to point out the absurdity of, of these uh, arguments that's taking shots at Nike. Uh, Nike, as far as I know, may be using prison labor themselves. I don't know. I haven't seen their names on any of these lists, but they've long been cited for exploiting non-white people in these other countries and paying them slave wages and what have you. So I, this isn't a defense of Nike. But look, Colin Kaepernick has been an unemployed for a very long time, and so Nike is putting some coins into his pocket by doing this ad and making him the face of their Just Do It campaign. How is that hijacking a movement? Huh? How is that hijacking a movement? I've heard a number of people try to say, oh, look, they done took Colin Kaepernick's black narrative and made it a multicultural narrative. Wait a minute. It's far, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Sports are multicultural. I mean, sports are global. Worldwide, people participate in sports. This was an ad that says dream crazy. No matter what your disabilities may be, no matter what people tell you you can't do, 
to Dream Crazy. It wasn't no political ad or nothing like that. It was a sports ad. And Colin Ka Kaepernick is the face of the ad. And then, mind you, with him being the face of the campaign, him getting paid by night for the campaign and doing the ad, him having participation in the ad, how is he? How is Knight hijacking his stuff? They can't hijack something he's a part of. Again, it makes no sense. People just say stuff to get people in their emotions, to make it a black-white thing or, or whatever. And it makes no sense. They're looking to make controversy where none exists. They're trying to come at it a different angle from what other people are coming at and, and make it seem like they're so enlightened and so smart, and it makes no, no doggone sense. Nike ain't hijacking nothing. This wasn't an anti-police ad. This wasn't a police brutality ad. This was a sports ad by an athlete who just happened to stand up against police brutality. And then if you study how particularly Malcolm X died broke. Malcolm X died broke. Martin Luther King also, they was living in, you know, just barely making it as well. Okay, what, what says that activists got to be broke all the time and they shouldn't accept work? It makes no sense. And I ask those people, I ask you right now, if you got a problem with Knight paying Colin Kaepernick to do this sports ad and you think it's hijacking his movement, how much money have you donated to Colin Kaepernick's foundation where he's putting on these Know Your Rights campaign? Because it's got to be paid. Somebody's got to pay for it. He's got to have some revenue coming in. Y'all act like this stuff costs, it, it don't cost people money. Y'all act like this is free. Y'all act like because we're nonprofits or whatnot that just automatically, you know, people are lining up to give us money. This costs money. I started the Black Talk Media Project with some of my settlement money from an injury. I invested over $1,000 in researching just how to, the right technology to use and incorporate it in the platform. Now, nobody give me a grant to do that. I use my own money. And it's been a few times that I wonder if we're going to be able to pay our bills month to month because of the lack of donations. And so these people talking this junk about Nike and what have you, paying Colin Kaepernick for this ad and hijacking the so-called movement. How much, what, what are you doing for the movement? And again, some of these very people ain't saying nothing about the prison strike. Nothing whatsoever. Then you, you have to be careful not to let people get you into your emotions with nonsense. You have to use critical thinking. Let me see, um, Getting to this article, Black Police Group supports night deal with Colin Kaepernick despite police unions boycott. So in case y'all haven't heard, police unions are good for this type of stuff. I remember when, um, what was that filmmaker named, the white guy who did Django? Yeah, I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, it's not important, but he participated in a rally in New York City and his own father came out talking trash about him. Um, then the police unions told people to boycott. 
his movies and not go see his movies and what have you because he participated in an anti-police brutality rally. And so these police unions are telling people to boycott Nike since they gave Colin Kaepernick some work, you know, because we don't want Colin Kaepernick to have no money. We want him to run out of money so he can shut down these camps. He'll be forced to shut down these camps where he's teaching young people to know their constitutional and civil rights and how to react to when they're approached on the street by slave catchers. So these police unions calling for a boycott of night products. So this is what um, Sean King is reporting. He said, we often hear that police officers across the country are pissed at Colin Kaepernick when Nike announced an endorsement deal with the former NFL quarterback who has been effectively banned from the league for his protest during the national anthem. An umbrella group of police unions called the National Association of Police Organizations called for its ranks to boycott the shoemaker's products. Yet, we often don't hear about how black police officers across the country think of Kaepernick and the subjects he raised with his protests. The reality is that these cops are often in support not only of Kaepernick's stance against police brutality, racism, and injustice in the United States, but that black police actually support and defend his previous protests around these issues during the national anthem. On Wednesday, the National Black Police Association released an open letter they sent to Mark Parker, Nike CEO. In the letter, the group not only condemned the calls from traditionally white police organizations to boycott Nike, but congratulated Nike on its new campaign featuring Kaepernick. Now, I'm going to leave it there. It is linked up for you in btrcommunity.com. But you know what? I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go a different route on this. What was the color of that cop we just saw beating up that black man in Baltimore? Brutally beat that black man up. He wasn't even trying to defend himself. Brutally beat him. Left him on the, laying on the pavement with blood, you know, pooling on the pavement, leaking from his mouth. That was a black cop, wasn't it? Hey, how many black cops was associated with the murder of Freddie Gray. How many black cops did y'all see? Did y'all see that video of Michael Slager, the white cop, when he shot that shot Walter Scott in South Carolina? What was what was the color of that other cop that was seen standing next to Michael Slager as he was planting his taser on Walter Scott's dead body? And then later filed a false police report backing up his fellow white cops uh uh false statement. It was a black cop. Okay? So I'm going to take a different. I'm going to take a different. I do not see these black cops standing up against police brutality. I see them engaging in police brutality. Whether or not we can say that they're engaged in racism, they're certainly engaged in racist policing. There's a bunch of black cops that was robbing people in Baltimore, Baltimore off the chain, robbing people at gunpoint. I don't see black cops coming out as a union on these issues. Oh, yeah, they'll send out a band. They'll send out a little message talking about uh, we support Colin Kaepernick and Knight's decision to hire him. 
where the police uh, unions uh, statement, the black police unions, National Black Police Association, where your open letter on these prison strikes? Are you in solidarity with the prisoners suffering prison slavery that many of you helped put into slavery? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think so. So don't, 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 don't fall for this propaganda as if black cops are some somehow better than their white counterparts. They're not. You show me how they are. They are not. I can show you plenty of stories involving black cops mistreating people. So um, I'm not falling for the propaganda. And you shouldn't fall for it either. I will care about what these black cops have to say when I see these black cops documenting crimes committed by their fellow officers and turning them in. I will then give a darn about what these black cops have to say. When I see them protesting the racist policies they are forced, you know, we have seen a few over the years, but very few who have risked all. There was a group in New York who who did a news report saying that, hey, we're predators, man. We're out here to prey on you. That's our job. But that's far and few in between there. It's not like a whole bunch of them, okay? It's not, it's not a lot of them. So this is why I... And I'm speaking of my personal views. I tend to shy away framing police brutality or slave catching or the system of slavery in black and white issues because it's not that simple. It's not black versus white, as Mr. Fuller said. It's justice versus non-justice. Either you're practicing justice or you're not. And if we're talking about black cops, Either you're upholding justice and by practicing justice or you're upholding slavery and practicing racism, white supremacy, which is a symptom, a tactic that was employed in Virginia in the 1600s when they made slavery color-coded. So, I don't give I don't care what what the National Black Police Association of Slave Catchers have to say. I don't see no color when it comes to slave catchers. All I see is blue. That's all I see. I, whatever color your uniform is, that's what I see. I don't see your skin color. A couple of other stories uh before I get ready to wrap it up. Trump is <laughs> basically admitting that he's lying, right? This will be the last story, and then I, I have to shut it down. Um, so, y'all know the Mueller investigation has been going on for quite some time now. Um, they've gotten a couple of indictments, not because anybody was proven to collude with the Russians, and not that I'm buying into that narrative, but to hear Donald Trump 
some of the responses he's given or excuses he's given to why he won't sit down with Robert Mueller in an official interview, it will give you the impression that he's got something to hide. So this article comes from you, comes to you from CNN who helped elect Donald Trump. Yes, they did. Giving him all that free coverage while ignoring other uh, people who are running for president, not giving them no coverage. But this comes to you from CNN. It says, President Donald Trump said Friday he is concerned he could open himself up to perjury if he sits down with special counsel Robert Mueller for questioning, echoing the worries of his personal attorneys. Everybody that looked at anybody over there, they get him on some kind of a lie. Uh, again, Trump, man. Let me read that again. I thought I was reading that Portuguese uh, article. Uh, everybody that looked at anybody over there, they get him on some kind of a lie, Trump said, referring to the special counsel's office before referencing his former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, and former campaign advisor, George Papadopoulos. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Both of whom have pled guilty to lying to federal investigators. So I don't want to be set up with a perjury trap, number one. Number two, there was no obstruction and there was no collusion, Trump said. Trump's comments echoed the message from his personal legal team, which has repeatedly expressed concerns that Trump could perjure himself if he sits down with Mueller. Rudy Giuliani, one of Trump's attorneys, famously said last month that he believes Trump could face perjury charges even if he tells the truth, saying, truth isn't truth. <laughs> wow, really, Giuliani? Really? Truth isn't truth now. Truth is a lie, I guess. Well, I guess who's telling it, you know. Uh, but anyway, this just makes Trump just look like he got something to hide. In fact, he do. Maybe he's afraid that they're going to ask him questions like, hey, did you sleep with Stormy Daniels? Daniels, not did you sleep with her. Did you pay Stormy Daniels any money to sleep with her? Did you pay Karen Maduka, whatever that Playboy bunny name was, Playboy centerfold, did you pay them any money to have sex with them? You know, maybe he's going to lie about that and say, oh, no, they just found me irresistible. And, and then they got him on perjury. You know, um, I'll say this about Bill Clinton. At least Bill Clinton um, had the guts to sit down with um, the, what was the guy's name, Kenneth Starr, uh, who was investigating him for Whitewater. And that's how it came out about Monica Lewinsky and what have you. At least Clinton had the guts to sit down and they didn't get him on nothing to do with white water and what have you. But maybe that's what they worried about. Hey, Donald Trump has a lot to hide. He tells lies 24-7 all the time. He tells so many lies, he can't keep up with his lies. You know, that's that's how it is with pathological liars. It's hard to keep up with what I said to who. And, you know, it's a good chance that he's going to lie under oath, so we don't want him to get hit with perjury. Cause I even read that they did like a mock session with him where they had, where they were pretending like they were Mueller and Donald Trump was being interviewed and asked questions. And they said that he was constantly lying. He was constantly lying. So make no mistake. You got a liar in chief and he wouldn't be the first one. Most of them lie. 
So I'm, I got to be objective about that. Most of them lie. But I, I just don't see Donald Trump, man, uh, making a good case for himself that he's not a liar. Again, I'm not falling for the Russian collusion narrative. It's possible that he was unaware of people working with Russians that were part of his campaign. That, that's possible. So in terms of them meddling in the election, I don't buy into that. So what if it was proven, if Putin himself paid for some ads on Facebook or Twitter saying that, hey, Hillary Clinton's a crook, she did this, that, and the other, I don't care because the United States does the same thing. They all do it. All governments produce propaganda and whatnot. I wouldn't call it directly interfering in the elections. I wouldn't go that far. I don't see that anything was illegal. There's nothing that's against the law that says a foreign national can't pulp pay to boost some some ads on Facebook, on social media. No, I, I don't see anything of the sort. I mean, the United States always meddling, directly or indirectly. Um, whether we're talking about overthrowing countries or backing the opposition in, in, in campaigns and what have you, funding the opposition like they're doing in Venezuela. So I'm not buying into that whole narrative that anything was wrong in, in that case, but I don't know. Because <laughs> Donald Trump is not um, acting like, you know, he's innocent. And he does have plenty to hide. And we all know that he tells lies. At least most of us can figure that out. All right. That's all I got for you today as I get ready to wrap up this program. Again, tomorrow, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, we'll be um, right here on, on our conference line, overconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. If you need some new media consultations on website, uh, platform management, hosting, all of that good stuff, I can help you with that. Uh, Black Talk Media Project can help you with that, I should say. Um, if you need media services, we can help you with that. If you're trying to get into digital radio broadcasting, I can help you. I can help you with a lot of stuff in terms of online media. All right. And, and it's free of charge. It's free of charge. Um, but we're only on for an hour for those free consultations. So make sure that, that you get in early as possible at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern uh, tomorrow night, which will be Saturday. With that said, please thank you all for your support of the Black Talk Media Project over these past 10 years, going on 11 years, and I hope that you will continue to support us as we look to do another decade of broadcasting. Who knows, my grandsons one day might take over Black Talk Media Project and be producing or facilitating independent black voices on the issues that black people need to hear about. With that said, y'all be careful over this weekend. Don't let the slave catchers get you. Um, move like you live behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. And just be very codified and cautious. With that said, peace and blessings to all. And keep the prison slave strikers in your prayers. Peace and blessings to all.